Our first reading this evening is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31 to 13, verse 13. I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, that which is in part will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We write the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. In the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent! And come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, and having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. They appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. The people sought him and came to him, and he would have kept him from leaving and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, "I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, 
For I was sent for this purpose, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Paul said, I will show you a more excellent way, faith, hope, and love. These three abide, but the greatest of these is love. You may be seated. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus encountered in the synagogue a demon-possessed man, something that happened quite a few times in his ministry. I'm not going to talk about demons tonight. Uh, I've done that before in other sermons, and tomorrow morning in our Bible study, I'll be especially focusing on that. I invite you to attend or to watch. There's a lot always to be learned on that particular subject. But for now, it's enough to know one thing of all about demons, and that is they have not love. We can look at this world and see a spectrum. One end of the spectrum is demonic, self-centered love. On the other is divine, self-sacrificing love. All of us are somewhere on that spectrum, and all of us are moving in one direction or the other. All of us will spend eternity at either end of that spectrum. Paul urges us to find the more excellent way, the way that leads to that love that God has shown to us in Christ. And what a blessing it is for us to know and to believe and to live in Him. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you want to use the Pew Bibles, uh, to this great chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's on page 959. And beginning in verses 1 to 3, Paul explains for us what I'll call the priority of love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The city of Corinth was in many ways a model city, really a model city of all the great cities of the world. What was it known for? Known, sadly, for its sexual immorality, witnessed by its most famous temple, the temple dedicated to the goddess Aphrodite. Corinth did not welcome Paul's preaching of the gospel. Hardly any of the cities where Paul went welcomed the gospel. And that is the way things have always been and the way things are in our world today. Right now, there's a very important trial taking place in the country of Finland. There, a Lutheran pastor and one of his members are being tried. But as the case is unfolding, it appears that what's really on trial is the Bible. They've begun reading certain passages of the Bible and it looks as though the judge is going to determine whether these passages are, in fact, passages that talk about Christian sexuality, sexuality within the bond of marriage of a man and a woman, whether these, in fact, are illegal because they are hate speech. Jesus said, your word cannot be broken. If we declare any part of God's word to be hate, we are on the wrong side of that spectrum that I just described moments before. 
So Paul comes to Corinth, just as Jesus often did. He begins his ministry in the synagogue of the Jews. And he begins preaching about Jesus, explaining that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is like reading a book and the last chapter is missing. It just like falls flat and, and something else needs to happen. And that something else is Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Some people in Corinth, in that synagogue in particular, believed what Paul was saying. In fact, the ruler of the synagogue, by a man by the name of Crispus, he became a believer, and he and all of his family, just like Mason, were baptized into Christ. But not everyone believed. And so the unbelieving Jewish people in that synagogue decided to bring a lawsuit against Paul. Well, we hear a lot about lawsuits today as well. They often involve religious things. It brought this lawsuit to the judge, but the judge decided this wasn't a state and civil matter, and so he dismissed it. Well, that angered the people that brought the lawsuit so much that they rose up and publicly beat the new ruler of the synagogue, who apparently also became a Christian, his name was Sosthenes. And the judge did nothing about it. That is sadly the way things often do work. The government doesn't want to become involved in matters of religion. But when religion, particularly the Christian religion, falls under persecution, it often looks the other way. So the violence was pretty heavy in Corinth. In fact, so much so that... God told Paul, don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. Not only did he have many people in the city of Corinth, but as you read in the book of Acts, particularly chapter 18, and also 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the Corinthian church was blessed with a lot of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember the three great works of the Holy Spirit. One, to bring us to faith, Paul says in Corinthians. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to live that faith, to live a holy and God-pleasing life by faith. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit also, at times and in certain places, for certain people in certain situations, gives very miraculous gifts. Gifts that we read about in the book of Acts, like the apostles preaching in their own Aramaic tongue and yet being heard by people of many other languages. Gifts of prophecy, gifts of speaking in tongues, gifts of healing. I'll speak more about that in a little bit as we come to the end of this great chapter. But Paul really emphasizes here, as you heard, the greatest of these, greater than all those gifts, even those powerful spiritual gifts, is the gift of love. A great preacher who can speak in the tongues of men and angels, he has not love. He's nothing but a noise box. A theologian who knows everything and has great faith in the Bible and yet has not love is, in the original language, a nobody, a philanthropist, a generous person, a person who gives of everything they have, even their own life for the sake of Christ, Without love, Paul says, accomplishes nothing. So Paul begins by establishing the priority of love. Let's move on now. If something has such a great priority, then we better look at what it actually is. 
I'm not going to read the entire next section, but it is a section that begins in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. Paul goes on to lay out 15 different pictures, both negative and positive, of what Christian love is really all about. The world's love, as I said, is a self-love, a demonic kind of love. It's a love that focuses on personal pleasure and happiness. But God's love, divine love, often involves our personal displeasure, our personal self-sacrifice, so that it can benefit others. God's love in Christ does just this for us. So Paul begins by stressing that love is patient and kind. None of us like unloving behavior. None of us like poor performance. None of us like people behaving badly. And often our first reaction to that is anger. But Paul shows us this more excellent way of love, a way of patience. The word patience in the original language literally means to have long anger or to be slow to anger and kindness. Kindness is looking at people and really trying to understand them and everything they've been through in their life in order to better appreciate what's going on. We begin with patience. We begin with kindness. Paul goes on to talk about love not being envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Envy is a kind of intense negative feeling towards somebody because of something they have or what they are. And boasting is just the opposite side of the same coin. Boasting is thinking how great we are and not giving the credit to God, thinking we've accomplished all of these things ourselves. Paul says we shouldn't be arrogant. Love is not arrogant, he says. Again, the word here means puffed up. That is to make ourselves look better than we really are. And then Paul ends with this word in this little section, rude. Love is not rude, or it is not in bad form. People adopt rudeness and bad form, you might say, in order to draw attention to themselves, in order to be the noisy, clanging cymbal and droning gong, in order to get what they want. And Paul says this is not the way of love. It is not the way, our own way, he says. It is not being irritable. It is not keeping a record of wrong, or I'd like to translate it this way, thinking the bad. The attributes of sinful nature are just these. We want our toys. We want to make the rules. And whenever somebody gets out of our line, we blow up. And we think about the bad a lot. And we focus on it, and we remember it, and we watch for ways to pay it back. Paul says that love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. This is what happens when people do something they know is wrong, but they don't get caught at it. And then they rejoice as though that's somehow a good thing. Like they got away with something bad. Only a foolish person would think this. 
completely forgetting that God knows. And while we may escape the judgment of men, we will never escape the judgment of God. Paul says that love, on the other hand, rejoices in the truth. Truth is what brings forth life. Jesus says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Jesus is, through that truth, the way to the Father and to salvation itself. Finally, in this section, which defines love, Paul says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, as you listen to this chapter of the Bible, if your first reaction to that chapter is, yeah, that's me, I'm doing all of those things, then you've really misunderstood exactly what Paul's trying to say. Paul's laying out the perfect way of life, the way of love that God has called us to in Christ. The reality is, is that all of us fall short of that. In fact, impossible for us to live this way, except that we look to Christ. One of the things that I've always found helpful with this chapter is to insert where you see the word love, insert the name Jesus. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes. Jesus hopes. Jesus endures. And in the hymn we just sang, the beautiful hymn, All for Us. And this is how God transforms self-love into sacrificial love. He bore our sins, as Peter said, in his body on the tree. And believing in him and loving him and trusting in him is becoming like him and living according to that way, that more excellent way of love. That brings us to the last part. I'll call this part the significance of love. Paul describes some things that are going to cease, some things that are going to pass away. Remember I said there are these three works of the Holy Spirit, one of which is these special miraculous gifts. Paul says that when the perfect comes, these things will cease. What is the perfect? The perfect is the second coming of Christ. But I don't think it's only that. We could also think of the perfect as the coming of the New Testament. That is a coming of Christ. And it is for that reason that in many places and at many times, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have slowed down. And that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Because Jesus himself even emphasized that miracles are not the most important thing in this life. Remember what he said to Thomas. Thomas, who demanded a miracle from Jesus, unless I touch his wounds in the resurrection, I won't believe in him. Jesus let him do that. And then Jesus said to him and to all of us something very important. Thomas... Blessed are those who have not seen, never seen a miracle, and yet have believed. How? Through the Word. These things that the Gospels and the Apostles have witnessed to us, and in that, bringing Jesus to us, the priority of love. All these other things will pass away, but this love in Christ will never pass away. So we hold fast to that in Christ to that New Testament. And we know that God will provide miracles and protection as needed. When the world comes to take away the gospel, suppress the gospel, declare 
any part of it hateful and illegal, the Lord will give what we need to go on. And perhaps then we will see, in fact, a resurgence of these spiritual gifts. I saw in the news that the greatest quarterback of all time is retiring. Then I saw in the news that that's not maybe true. I don't know. I guess we'll find out tomorrow morning whether it's true or not. But it led me to think about uh, what happened this week here as we came to the end of celebrating Lutheran Schools Week. We had a special guest speaker, uh, seminarian Chris Deuce. And Chris asked the students, what are you great at? What are you good at? Well, uh, some are great quarterbacks in this world. Um, One of the children said he was good at hockey. Another student said she was good at drawing. And, And it's good for us to strive for that. And I think everybody can be good at something. But Chris asked the students something very, very important. And that was this. Are you good at love? Are you good at faith? A lot of people don't ever even think to ask that question at all. But Paul wants us to ask that question. And he also wants to know even more than that, that we can be good at it. That we can be great at it, in fact, through the greatest Savior of all, Jesus. It is in him that, again, our self-love is transformed into his self-sacrificing love for us and us for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.